This is It Was a Thing on TV. Punisher! Control! Tell me before I change my mind! I give you Super Train! Episode 312, Submission 1479. The introduction of the compact disc on ABC Australia's Towards 2000. The introduction of the CD on ABC Australia's Towards 2000 was a segment on the show Towards 2000 that aired in 1982. Well, Chico, in the month of October, we're marking a big occasion. It's the 40th anniversary of the release of the compact disc in Japan. Yep. It was co-developed by Philips in Europe and Sony in Japan to play digital audio recordings much in the same way that 35s were played on the gramophone using a needle. Although, instead of a needle, you had lasers. Yes, lasers, which we already talked about in previous subject, the 1981 Sears Teleshop Laserdisc. It's got to be Cheryl Teagues. But yeah, this... Hall of Famer Luther Vandross. Well, we got to see about that. But as we mentioned in that episode, laser discs, we saw like the guy from Sears holding the laser disc. It was like gigantic. It was like nobody knew what to do with discs because these were brand new. Nobody had an idea of how to work these discs. So Sony and Philips decided to use that sort of idea into like a smaller, more compact... See what they did there? A A smaller, more compact disc. Yes. It's time now for the science corner portion of the program. Your standard run-of-the-mill CD has five layers. The first layer is a polycarbonate disc layer that has the data encoded by using bumps. Those bumps, of course, have been etched by lasers recording on the polycarbonate. The second layer is a shiny reflective layer that reflects the laser. Um, I do not remember off the top of my head what it is made from, but if you break it, it just gets all over the place. Yeah. The third layer is a layer of lacquer that protects the shiny layer. The fourth layer is artwork that is screen printed on the top of the disc. And then, uniting the four layers, a laser. It reads the CD, reads the bumps, it's reflected by a sensor, which converts it into electronic data, or a sound. The laser fires from inside the CD through the four grooves and produces a noise. Well, actually, it goes through all sorts of uh, digital decoding and encoding before it produces the noise, but it produces a noise nonetheless. And in the late 80s and early 90s, if you wanted a really good album, these were your best bet because... 
they promised digital lifelike sound, vibrant stereo recordings, and the ability to take it with you eventually. And also, these things, unlike records, don't scratch. No. Well, well, we'll get we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. So, why are we talking about the CD? Well, people, let's go on a field trip because for the first time ever, we're going down under. So, this comes from ABC in Australia. That's right, folks. There's another ABC. Yes, this is the public television version of ABC, and it's in Australia. The show itself is called Beyond Tomorrow, but originally started out as Tour 2000 for the first season where this episode comes from. And then after 1984, they changed the name to Beyond 2000. And then sometime after that, I want to say 1988, they changed it to Beyond Tomorrow. Fun fact... In 1988, it was picked up by the then Young and Fledgling Fox Network to air as part of their programming, hosted by KRON San Francisco newscaster Henry Tenenbaum. Okay, so now in this segment, we're going to go to the original segment that introduced the world to the compact disc. Now, this is being presented by uh, Sonia Humphrey. Now, yes. do you have any information, Chico, about Sonia Humphrey? Why, I'm glad you asked. Sonia Humphrey was a legendary Australian newsreader and journalist who happens to have had a bit of dancing experience. Oh! And, yes, and that really helped when Beyond Tomorrow did dancing segments. Dancing segments. Dancing segments. I'll be out tomorrow. Huh. How about and that? And of course, she feels right at home here because music lends itself very well to dance. Sadly, she is no longer with us. She died at the age of 63. On New Year's Day 2011. But also in this segment, we also have two of the other hosts of the program, Ian Finley and Jeff Watson, coming to us all the way from Holland. That would be at- Jeff Watson. Yes, which is where Phillips would be located, and Ian Finley all the way in Japan at the Sony offices to present the CD to the world. Oh, man, Chico, I'm so excited. Could you imagine watching this in Australia in 1982? You don't know what you're in for. Man, all I see is something that looks like a coaster. You put it in a machine... And it plays music. Yes. Like, how? 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 Sonia's going to explain how. Here's the clip courtesy of ABC Australia. That's right. It's on the official ABC Australia YouTube channel for ABC Science. Yep. It even says, introducing the amazing compact disc. 1982 retro vintage 80s technology. And it was uploaded in 2015, so... Yes, and it has nearly 3 million views. 
as of the time we're recording this in September of 2022. So as we start, we see this Edison phonograph. Now, I should note, if you ever go to my house, ever since I was little, my parents have had this, this Edison phonograph. I don't know how they got this. I don't know if they inherited it from somebody. I don't know if they got it from like an antique shop. But we have that exact model in our house. This exact model. The model that is being displayed on this episode of Tour 2000. Yes. This is in my house. Not the exact one, but something similar to it. Right. I have to, you know what? I gotta see if this is actually on. Yeah, the Edison phonograph. Let's take a look. Okay, if you want the early Edison cylinder photograph, you can buy it on eBay right now for the low, low price of $275. Oh my God. Plus $15 shipping and handling. Oh man. Oh, I don't know if you ever go to the YouTube channel Techmoan. I found this out on his channel. They actually make, like, some companies make, like, new versions of Cylinder Records. I'm not even joking. A new version of a Cylinder Record? Yes. Those things have to be heavy. Probably. So let's get into it. Let's introduce ourselves to the compact disc. Now, I should note for the YouTube listeners... We may get, like, some copyright music right here. So just in case, we'll have to trim some segments out. But we will include the entire episode in a link below on the Podbean page so you can listen to the segment in full. Or we can also include in the description the segment in question on YouTube so you can watch that too. Yes, so, we think of everything here and it was a thing. Yes, so here we go, the introduction. I love cornet music. Dateline Japan and Holland assignment in the groove. Thank you, Mr. Kirkby. We'll let you know. These days, it's nothing more than a valuable antique, but when this phonograph first hit the market in 1904, it and the phonographs that preceded it were part of a minor miracle. These things, with their wax cylinder recordings, altered forever the way human beings enjoy themselves. For the first time, music was available at will in the house to those not rich enough to support a private orchestra. The first recording ever made was of these words. That was in 1887. The speaker was Thomas Edison himself. Yes, Thomas Once Edison was a lyric baritone. Well, to be fair, this was the first time anyone had ever recorded anything. His first words were, Mary had a little lamb. His fleece was white as snow, and everywhere that Mary went, his lamb was sure to go. His second words were, Jesus Christ, is that my voice? Oh yeah, because nobody would have ever have heard their own voice before. <laughs> Why didn't you guys warn me I sounded like that? God! Yeah, whenever I hear my own voice, 
like, because as you all know, the voice that you hear as you speak into your head is not the voice everyone else hears. Correct. The voice you hear in your own head is sort of like a digital recording. And this is sort of like a digital copy. But we'll get to that later. Okay, so let's uh, go back to Sonia here. The speaker was Thomas Edison himself. Florence Nightingale describing the Battle of Balaclava followed, so did many other recordings of music and poetry. Tennyson reading selections from Maud was very popular around 1890. And then there's But Maud. cylinders were eventually replaced by flat recordings. This is the Edison Diamond Disc of 1889. Bakelite and shellac, fragile, heavy, and very, very thick. Ooh. As 78s progressed, they uh, lost a bit of weight. As the records changed, so of course did the players. This is the ram's horn player, obvious where it got its name. The sound is taken mechanically. You don't look like a ram's horn to me. And then travels acoustically up the tube and out of the horn. No amplifiers or electronics there. Sometimes these ones came with bamboo needles that had to be sharpened after every single record. Wow. <laughs> bamboo needles that had to be sharpened after every playing. But hey, as you can see, no wires. No wires. Who wireless? Who wireless? Who wireless? Who wireless? And of course, time goes forward. By the 1920s, this was the height of elegance. It had metal needles, literally needles, very sharp indeed, and a very heavy head. It also had to be wound mechanically. Electricity, of course, was the power source by the 50s when the gramophone and the radio shared a cabinet making the radiogram. The microgroove, long-playing record now began to dominate the market, and with minor improvement, it's been with us ever since. But isn't there something better? Dramatic music. Very dramatic, very musical. And here we are in Europe at the Phillips plant with uh, Jeff Watson listening to the dramatic music you just heard. Yes. So let's go to Jeff right here from Holland. And what you've just been listening to is the ultimate in recorded sound. It will make all conventional disc and cassette systems obsolete. It's dustproof, scratchproof, digitally recorded, read by a laser, and it's called the compact disc. And that's it. The biggest revolution in the recording industry since the invention of the long-playing gramophone record. But this is no ordinary disc. Just 12 centimeters in diameter. The music is recorded onto it digitally. And there's no needle being dragged through a groove. That information is being read by a laser light. Now, before we get into it, I just wanted to describe, like, the first shot of the CD... You see Jeff's reflection right into the CD? Yes. Could you imagine someone's reaction to that? Like the first time you've ever seen the CD and someone's face is reflecting off the CD? They probably would have gotten something out of their teeth or something or checked their hair for a flyaway. I don't know. I, I don't know how vanity works. So we got a transistor Jeff is holding at the 325 mark. 
Yes, and this is the transistor that fires the laser that reads the CD. Yes, so let's continue. And this is the tiny laser that does all the work. A small, low-power semiconductor which emits invisible infrared light and plays the record from inside out. Magnified 12,000 times, this is what the surface of the compact disc looks like. You can see the thousands of tiny pits and grooves which the laser has cut into a thin plastic sheet. When it's monitored or read off by another laser in the playback machine, the lengths of the grooves and the distances between them give varying light patterns, which are then picked up by a tiny diode. And unlike a conventional gramophone disc, this is totally proof against fingerprints and dust because the information is stored underneath a plastic film. It doesn't really matter how much I manhandle that particular disc, it will still continue to give very good audio quality. This is a one-sided disc. On the other side is simply the label of the record. And the record player which plays it is also surprisingly small and compact. That information is read by a laser from the underside. You simply place the disc in there like a conventional record player, and off you go. Now, Chica, this theme is notable to me because this piece of production music was actually used in NBA Finals highlight videos. These would be in the mid to late 80s, like the kind that come with your year-long subscription to Sports Illustrated? Yeah, kind of. Okay. This is from an album called Tempest Fugit from Bruton Music, and the theme that is being played on that CD going into the transition back to Sonya is called Strident Theme. Oh, man, I had Shazam up and everything. I was ready to Shazam the track to see what it was. Unfortunately, this track is not on iTunes. I looked, but oh, I actually did get the um somewhere on the internet. I actually did manage to get that song, not a song, but the theme, so I could play it. That was awesome. Whenever I would hear it with like a during a like highlight package when during like a Celtics Lakers game from the eighty four eighty five finals. Professionally produced cuts, I should say. Yes, professionally produced cuts in those NBA Finals highlight videos. All right, let's continue. Introducing new technology in a popular market has its own problems. Take the battle between cartridges and cassettes. It confused the consumer mightily, and it took around a decade for cassettes to establish a clear lead. The big manufacturers have learnt from that experience. With the laser audio disc, two of the biggest, Philips and Sony, have united to produce compatible hardware. Half a world away from Holland in Tokyo, Ian Finlay found that although their players look different, the discs are exactly the same. Now, I should note, since you won't see it in the audio, but Sony is holding a cassette and what's called a cartridge is what we refer to as an 8-track. Yes, and what she says is true. There was an early format war between the 8-track and the cassette. Of course, the cassette ended up winning because if you've ever seen an 8-track, they are big, they are bulky, and they are 
horribly unreliable. The only use for them is when you're playing like with the original 2XL. Because didn't the original 2XL model use 8-tracks? Original 2XL, I believe they did? Yes. And then when they uh, reintroduced it with Tiger, they used cassettes. Yes. And even further back than that, you're talking about your Alfie robots, your Teddy Ruxpins, all of which were standardized with cassettes. And also... Your Commodore 64, of which I had one growing up. You had a disc drive that was a cassette player. That really was confusing to me. I didn't have a Commodore. Like, we were a Mac family. So when I, like, later, like in the late 90s, early 2000s, discovered what the Commodore was about, I'm like, how did people play games on these? Like, that makes no sense to me. The technology did exist thanks to the fine folks at CBS, so... Oh, so we have the CBS network to thank for that. Well, CBS, uh, back in the early 80s, uh, they dabbled in software and toys thanks to a recent purchase from Ideals. That's right, because I remember certain video games for the 2600 had CBS video games on the bottom. In bright green letters with no eyes. No eyes. No eyes. All right. So let's go to Ian. He's in Japan at the Sony headquarters and he's getting his first introduction to the CD. So let's hear what Ian has to say. As you can see, the technology is remarkably standardized. I'm digging this. Just put it into Unfortunately, I was yeah. not able to the Shazam that it, song. It's very difficult to try and get across the sound to you now like this when you're listening on conventional uh, TV set and uh, also we're recording on a conventional tape recorder so we can't actually get across to you in, a, in sound terms. Uh, what this thing can do but basically it revolves around five things the background noise the background there's practically no, no background noise at all no hiss or anything like that there's no wow or flutter uh, distortion is only 0.05 percent which is uh, very very good as any hi-fi buff will know frequency response is um, roughly similar to existing hi-fi sets between 20 and 20,000 hertz uh, the main thing to say about the frequency response though is that it's absolutely flat no pits or heights in it at all. And uh, finally, the most important thing is the dynamic range is remarkable. 90 dB, which uh, uh, hi-fi buffs will, will uh, agree is very, uh, is, is very remarkable. So as Ian points out, it's not like you're not going to hear on a TV set how good the audio is, obviously. Obviously. But he's like, but he's like trust me. This is good. This is like so much better than a record player. As he points out, no hiss. That no is, hiss. That is the key. No hiss. Yes, and also no background flutter. And the sound itself is, from a dynamic standpoint, rather flat. It's a very constant 90 decibels. 
Whereas if you had one of those horn dealies, one of the gramophones, or hell, even a record player, which would have been the standard at the time, there would be a bit of a wobble when you uh, think about the acoustics in the room or something, I don't know, bumping into whatever, you know? Yes. Now, for the audio listeners, let me describe. So when the CD was put in the player from Holland by Jeff Watson, it was simply, he pressed the button, he put the CD in, pressed the button to play it, and then, oh, there you go. But for the Sony player, like, Ian had to press, like, a button to, like, manually open the player. It was a mechanical switch, which uh, would be one of the standards. There's, like, so many machines in the market back in the uh, 90s and 2000s. Some with the slide-out dealy, some with the flip-top. The possibilities were literally endless. I mean, hell, I mean, all you have to do is look at the number of PlayStation models. You have the flip-top, the tray coming out. You also have the uh, one that just loads the disc in so he loaded the disc like how would you describe it like it's... He, he just loaded into it was like sort of a flip top deal only it was on its side yeah and on then the side. He, and then he just you know affixed it to some ball bearing hoists closed the door and hit play yes it's a modern miracle yeah. Well, the player itself is a huge advance over conventional record players because it gives you the same sort of control you have Look on at a tape this recorder. Spin. Fast forward and fast reverse yep. scanning, pause and stop buttons, and the ability to instantly select any track you want. Oh, that's key. It's also got a little programmable yep. memory so that instead of playing the tracks in their right order, one, two, three, four, five, and so on, you can select your own sequence in advance so that they play in any order you want. And all the while, the monitor tells you which track you're on and how many minutes and seconds it's been playing. Because I'm not going to play giving you all that I got by Robin S. Space Jam The whole soundtrack. thing, all of that, a little computerized marvel is packed into something which you can pick up and move around like that, even shake, and nothing happens. So yeah, Ian's picking up the Sony player and he's shaking it. And absolutely nothing happens. Nothing happens. Well, I don't know. When I had a like a compact CD player, a portable one as a kid, like that thing would skip like hell. I had like a Sony Discman when I was a kid. That would skip like all the time whenever I was on the bus going to school. Like it would skip like whenever we hit like a bump on the road or something. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, I got my first portable cd player it wasn't a disc man but it was like a portable cd player um i believe it was summer of 1999 my first job i was working at lowe's i was able to afford it i bought it and it didn't have the sort of skip protection that keisla's portable cd player had so ultimately she got a new portable cd player i got hers i used that one during college and the skip protection is absolutely amazing, so... Yeah, eventually I got one with anti-skip functionality, and yeah, I never looked back from there. Mm-mm. It could never I could never find one with anti-scratch. Uh, shake. More on Nothing that later. Happens, which is quite incredible. 
and uh, means that it's got enormous potential eventually once in the future it's perhaps made a little bit more compact uh, for the uh, car audio industry as well. The players are due for release at the end of 82 in Japan and the United States, in Australia and Europe, sometime in 83. They'll cost between six and eight hundred dollars, and the discs should be no more expensive than records now. In a way, it all sounds too good to be true. Other systems have, heaven knows, failed to live up to their pre-release promises to change the way we listen. Quadraphonic sound, for instance, died of starvation when not enough quad records were released. But with compact discs, we're assured there will be a rolling river of material. Seven major record companies have already signed up to produce on the system. With hardware and software both lined up, compact discs may well rule the roost, at least until someone perfects a method of putting Beethoven's ninth on a silicon chip. Don't laugh. I'm assured that that day, in fact, is not too far off. Well, she wasn't too far off because... That would happen like in another, let's see, the iPod uh, yep. would have started in 2001. So, And your standard issue MP3 player, which was basically nothing more than a flash drive with a headphone jack. Yeah. So, all right. Final thoughts about the CD in 1982 for its introduction. So, I watched this. It was a brief watch, about eight minutes. Something immediately stood out. And it happened at the end. If you take a look at the end, you can see Sonia's fingerprints all over it. I am assured that if I were to watch this for the first time, I am assured that if I put that in my new CD player, it would play flawlessly. It would not play flawlessly on a... No, on a CD file. No, as I said in the Laserdisc episode when Michael's like, how does he not know that that's not the proper way to hold a disc? I said, it was 1981. Nobody had an idea of how to handle a disc properly. Now in no. 2022, we know how to handle a disc properly because we know you don't hold a disc that way. But in 1981-82, no idea. Nobody knew. And you always protect the bottom. You never let it touch anything. You never let it touch the ground. You never let it touch anything except for a lint-free cloth that you use to wipe off dirt and dust from the inside to the outside. I may or may not be very OCD with my CDs. Well, the CD, it's gone on to live a long life, and it's now 40 years old. It is hard mm -hmm. to believe, but yeah, even though vinyl records have now gotten back in style and everyone has music on portable players and on their phones now. And we live in a future dominated by Apple Music, Pandora, and Spotify. But we don't talk about Spotify. No, no, no. No, no, no. In 1982, we were introduced to the future of music, and it was a thing on TV. Yep, and soon became a thing at your local department store for the low, low price of $600 to $800. And, of course, as I can see in your Zoom background, Chico, Columbia House, 
would make a fortune on that. Yeah, uh, hands up if you still owe Columbia House a penny for the 12 CDs you bought. Uh, I'm pretty sure Titus from Kimmy Schmidt still owes Columbia House money. Oh, yeah, almost certainly. Of course, you have to buy like four or five more CDs before you can get the rest of the freebies. But that's another episode for another day. Yes. So that's going to do it for this episode. And of course, you can listen to the 311 episodes prior to this at it was a thing on TV.com. We got all sorts of bonuses. We got live watches like the live watch that me and Mike did with Mac and me. Chico, I'm so sorry you were at DC and you missed Mac and me. But yeah. let me tell you, it was amazing. <laughs> it was an amazing watch. Oh, gosh. I, I can only imagine because I know Mac and Me is the... Uh, first of all, I know that Mac and Me is Paul Rudd's favorite movie. I know it's Ronald McDonald's favorite movie. And I know that it is incredibly hokey as all hell. But I was, unfortunately, at DC at SporkleCon on assignment. At near 100 teams in the Battle of the Brains, we came in 69th. Are you serious? You came in 69th? Hey, hands of God. Nice! <laughs> but yeah, we have a lot of stuff on our website at ItWasAThingOnTV.com. We have links to all of our socials at ItWasAThingOnTV, except for Facebook, because apparently Mark Zuckerberg did not own a CD player. He was too busy launching the website, so we are left with It Was A Thing On TV podcast. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, don't forget to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. What the hell is that? That's Nugenics. To stay up to date on all of our future entries. Next week, we've got... Hold on, uh, before we talk about next week... We got a mini-sode coming later this week. Oh, yes, we do. Yes, we do. We talked about this uh, uh, a couple of months ago with something that Greg found while just perusing old Dave Letterman episodes, which he is want to do, let's be honest. And we're going to talk about it as we celebrate baseball's postseason and my Yankees making the cut. Well, hey... At least you didn't mishandle Aaron Judge's 61st home Oh, run. God, I heard about that. I heard about that. Did you? Do you know the guy's name? Frankie Lasagna. That's right. Frankie Lasagna. Was Frankie Lasagna. He owned an Italian eatery in Toronto, I believe it was. And he mishandled. I'm just thinking to myself, there is a joke in there somewhere. Why isn't anybody on this? Hold on a second. I have an idea of what would happen if somebody went to Toronto from New York. Hey, I'm in Toronto. Hey, Frankie Lasagna's restaurant. Hey, can I get some linguine in this place? Hey. What is up with you and conjuring deadfold, Greg? There's a reason why Eddie Mecca was the big ragu, Chico. <laughs> hey. But okay, next week. You know the story of the lovely lady and her three very lovely girls. Well, that turns out to be only half the story because two of them went on to be husband and wife with uh, two really nice guys. Wait, One... did you say, hold on, did you say two of them went on to be husband and wife with each other? 
No. <laughs> oh, good. That would just be no. You know what that's called? Big love. No. <laughs> that's another episode. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. We miss you, Bill. And speaking of HBO, one of the most thrilling dramas to ever be produced by HBO back, I want to say, 40 or so years ago, was markedly different than what we have right now. Uh, In 1973, we had a movie with a legacy. In 2016, we had a TV show with a history. Somewhere in the middle of that, we have a TV show on CBS with neither a legacy or a history. But it did have Connie Selga, so that's got to count for something. Oh, good. This will be our second entry of Connie Selga. Although I am ashamed, no Anthony Hopkins or Jeffrey Wright. Or Evan Rachel Wood. Yeah, well, we got to make do with what we have. Mm, Yeah. But also, hold on. Oh. We got a live show that week. Yes, we do. This oh. was, it's the, apparently, the movie we never knew we needed. Yes. This was apparently the start of an era, which we didn't even realize until, like, the summer. That was an era. Apparently, we missed this era, Chico. What are we going to do about this? Well, we got to watch it. We got to find out how this was an era. We have to watch this, find out how it was an era? Yes! Then we have to find out why it wasn't an era anymore? I guess! Well, we know what we're doing next week, right here on It Was a Thing on TV. For Greg, I'm Chico. Thank you so much for listening. Please be kind to one another, and we will see you for the next one. Roar us out, Greg! Roar! Imagine a world where time drifts slowly. A world where music carries you away. Experience pure moods, the perfect soundtrack for your way of life. Direct from Europe, this multi-platinum collection has won the hearts of millions. Set adrift with the timeless pleasures of tubular bells. Or take a trip into the unknown with the X-Files theme. You don't sound like Mark Snow to me. No other collection gives you the feeling of pure moods. To order pure moods, call the number on your screen or send check or money order for the amount shown, plus shipping and handling. Rush delivery available. Call now.